And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. And hi, I'm Thushikin Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in intervention. How, Thush, how you been, mate? What's been going on this week? Because we weren't on last week. We had the we had the agony aunts, as we call them, isn't it? Nina, Nina and Bethan. Yeah, I'm good, man. So I had my nights. They were fine. They're really fine. The thing that I tend to look forward to for nights is when I get to do like primary peak, like stemmies in the night. There were there wasn't a single one though, so they're actually pretty uneventful. But mm. I want that little bit of eventfulness in nights. The rest of the eventfulness, not so much. But uh, they're okay. I feel pretty good about them. And then this week, I've been on the ward. And um, that's been okay as well. Just hanging out with the SHOs. Tried to teach some of them to echo today, which was good. Why though? No one cares. <laughs> yeah, I thought you, it's a type of ultrasound scan. So I thought, you'd be, I thought you'd dig that. But I kind of figured that they might... It's too much activity. But yeah, go on. You know how I'm like always trying to kind of... So our SHOs, I didn't think... I think there's one of them who's like a maybe for cardiology and the rest of them, like one wants to be a surgeon and the other one wants to do oncology. But I kind of figure if I get them to do kind of slightly cool things that maybe I can kind of bring them around to it. So mm. yeah, it's, but I quite like doing that kind of stuff and I've been trying to get back into the gym and that's going okay. Trying to be better about my diet, less okay. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. me summed up. How about you? Yeah, good. I mean, when you mentioned the diet thing, I sent you a picture of like, I went to the shops to buy a new t-shirt to go to the gym in and they had this like, those kind of wax, not like not wax, but they had a model uh, of the oh, t-shirt yeah, the being triceps. worn and the, the triceps on this thing, Amazing. which is unbelievable. Yeah. And I was thinking, come on, mate. I mean, I, and then I thought maybe I should take a photo of my tricep next. I was like, no, it's not, it's just never <laughs> going to be the same with the tricep on this thing. It's just going to look ridiculous. So yeah, talk about body issues, huh? going in and trying to buy a t-shirt and then getting completely <laughs> flustered and annoyed by this statue that they got wearing the t-shirt because it looks so good on them i know but it looked nothing like that on me i was like what, what, what have i done wrong here like you know, <laughs> we both go to the gym we both lift like what's the problem here yeah it's yeah but it's been fine mate it's been been a, it's been a good week as usual just trying to try and take it easier keep falling asleep in random places again did i tell you i went to see gus Khan. oh day, yeah uh, live yeah it was really good he was really good and then i kind of thought it was quite cool I, i've said this before that when i was younger that the only kind of mus- visible muslim around at the time for me anyway was like Nassim Hamed so I thought it was super cool that Nassim Hamed this guy and he's like awesome and he's, a, he's like a bro and he's in the limelight and he's so boisterous like he was so like confident mm. and I really kind of took to that and the reason I bring up Gaz Khan is like it's nice that we've got more people not just Muslim but more people like ourselves are on TV being represented and representing and I think he did a really good job of the whole thing I thought it was a really good stand-up gig yeah. so where did you see him someone in central London I can't remember me no I can't remember yeah yeah and was he did he have any support acts or yeah he had a friend of his gosh I'm not doing very good. I think his name was Keith something comedy he was awesome as well he did this kind of comedy like it was very good like he like normally stand-up stand-up right it's well prepared they've done it lots of times right but with this other guy he kind of went to the crowd and asked them questions and then that became the joke like somehow he'd managed to make the whole people just seem ridiculous the relationships between people seem ridiculous and then just make everyone laugh and laugh it was really good and there's something i wish i could there must be a method behind that right there must be a method behind how you talk to a crowd and make the crowd part of the joke and depending on what people say you make that funny mm. there must be a method but i'll try and look into that one day i mean not that <laughs> ever 
think I'll ever do it. But as in, we know how jokes work and we know how comedy works when it comes to stand up now, don't we? Because we did that the stand up course together, but we don't know that bit. Do we? we never mm. got taught that bit? So it would be interesting to know. The thing is that I do think that comedy nights are, are such a great kind of like night out, aren't they? I just think they're mm. kind of because you kind of go with the anticipation of being made to laugh. And so I think you're kind of, you can't help but enjoy them, I think, most of the time. Like it's rare to go to a comedy gig and be like, this is absolutely terrible. I guess. Yeah, I feel like you get a lot of bang for your buck, don't you? Yeah, like When exactly. you go out to a comedy night, that you do get a lot of enjoyment. I mean, not that you don't get enjoyment from watching a movie, but when you actually think about the number of laughs and time that you have, it's better at a comedy show, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have a favourite comedian? I can't think of one. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I was that guy who just left The Tonight Show? We were talking about Oh, that. God, Noah. Trevor Noah? Trevor Noah, yeah, Trevor Noah. Uh, I think he's, he's phenomenal. Like, I've watched loads of his stand-up. And then I know people don't like this guy, but Bill Burr just used to oh, kill he's me. Yeah. Absolutely kill me. And I, I've actually seen Bill Burr live. And he was, Have he you? Was no way. Yeah. It cool. was really good. The only part was which wasn't good is that he was trying to make a joke once in, in the set, but it was about baseball players. And I think somebody shouted at him, like, baseball jokes don't work here. But he just carried on with it anyway. And like, bro, like... Read the crowd. No one knows what you're talking about. Baseball is just not a thing here. But he just kept going on. Yeah, and it'll be like this guy walking under the games. Like, no, mate, just that was a write-off those jokes. But yeah. the rest of it, yeah, I was literally. I remember there was points where I was laughing so hard, and it's been a long time since this has happened. But I was laughing so hard, my ribs were hurting. Like I was yeah, actually, yeah. I can breathe. I love I that. Breathe. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I miss moment. that feeling. I I quite like Ramesh Ranganathan, but I guess that's. Mm. I think like his stand-up is probably not as the, the kind of show where he kind of went traveling with his mom, like around Sri Lanka. Mm. And mm. I think because obviously I feel a little bit of like a kindred spirit with him, but also being mm. Sri Lankan. And so I think I remember once though, it was before Joe and I were married and we were kind of just watching it together with her parents. But I was just so overwhelmed by like how funny it was. Like I was literally like I'd rolled off the sofa and I was like on the floor. Really? And she said that, oh. yeah, literally like, I th- apparently like I stopped making no- like I was like supersonic like you could barely hear <laughs> the noise I was making but I just thought it was so funny but I really liked him some people didn't like him doing that right because some people felt as though he'd put Slanka some uh, a Slankan mutual Sarah a Slankan friend of us he was saying that he wasn't entirely happy about it because it didn't make Slanka look particularly great because yeah. he was kind of going to the extremes like there's always extremes in every country but he's going to the extremes of things and poking fun. And some people would walk away thinking, oh, that's what they're like. And it's like yeah, that's not what they're like. It's, it's true, I guess. But like, I guess it depends on like how you see it, because I saw it from the perspective of like that kid, like this, like him, like a second generation immigrant, where you see your parents talk about this place, like mm. they hail from and everything's perfect, but somehow you're here. You're talking about how amazing mm. it is over there, over there, but they came over here. But it's amazing mm. over there. But for some reason they're here they're, and, and you go there and you're like, this place is wacky. And it was like that perspective, mm. like, yeah, this mm. does seem really wacky to us. And like, so I guess I don't, I didn't think I ever really saw it as something that was going to be like a great advert for the motherland or whatever. So I think I kind of saw it also from that incredulous perspective where you do notice the crazy stuff and you're like, mm. well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Can't please everyone, yeah. can you with comedy? No, I guess not. I mean, talking about comedy, we had a bit of comedy this week, didn't we? We had, I mean, we don't want to name the person, do we? But the a very eminent quotation mark leading um, oh, cardiologist sake. yeah, has come out with a paper. I'm going to put quotation marks on that too, which has got published in a journal that they are part of the peer review or something, basically attributing the vaccine to cardiac issues. Is that correct? I mean, I, you know what? When that drivel came out, I was like, I don't even have time for this. I'm not going to read this. I don't like reading at the best of times. And I don't read papers at the best of times. I'm not going to read a paper from someone who's got no real credentials as far as I'm concerned, beyond having yeah. uh, a few followers. I yeah. don't know. 
Well, um, yeah. yeah, we do have to tread carefully. He, he's blocked me. It wasn't, it, annoyingly, it wasn't for what I thought was a particularly pithy reply to one of his things where he was talking about kind of obesity and stuff. And I replied saying, bro, do you even lift? He didn't, so it wasn't that, it was something else. So you you, you basically triggered him like that. I got triggered by that statue. He probably looked like yeah, this weedy dude and he talks about all this health stuff. And health. I'm like, look at you, mate. Yeah, yeah, hardly yeah. the parody. Honestly, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, I'll take him on. Come on then, let's do it. Yeah. Anyway, so he, yeah, as you say, he allegedly, no, he definitely did publish an article in a paper, no, in a journal called Journal of Insulin Resistance, for which he is a reviewer. So there's obviously like, mm. there's a conflict of interest there. And also mm. it's this kind of peddling more crackpot theories about COVID vaccines, perhaps doing more harm than good. And mm. I think he still, and he kind of throwbacks to you know, the sad kind of events around his dad dying suddenly. And somehow he's kind of, what someone might cynically say that he's kind of trying to use that kind of emotional capital to, as a kind of springboard to, I think almost to kind of shut down thought and conversation, because it's very hard to argue mm. when you've got that kind of emotional issue at the crux of your argument, because mm. ultimately what ends up coming back at you is this guy lost his dad. And so therefore mm. it kind of almost, it's like a thought defeating argument, really. I think Brohin did a really interesting tweet, which I don't know whether it's entirely related to it. It was talking about how whenever you get these sort of quite extreme opinions, from apparent people who are expert, they say they're experts, they always get called leading, even though they're not the leading. And so when this kind of thing happens, I feel as though the paper might be crud. I haven't read it, so I can't really judge. It could just be absolute rubbish. But the fact that it's a paper that got published gives that person credence. So they could, mm. this person can now go forward and say, I'm a public, I'm a published doctor, clinician. I've got papers that are re reviewed, period. whether it got reviewed badly or not is not the question. It got peer reviewed. And so if you kind of, you know how people just sort of be quite selective about the truth in terms of like when you go to put your CV forward, you may say that you got a paper that got published, but it could be the worst paper that ever got written, but it doesn't matter. Still counts a publication, gives you certain points, doesn't it? Yeah. So I wonder whether this is part of the bigger game. It doesn't matter whether it's good. It doesn't matter whether people actually know what they're talking about, think it's rubbish. Your average person, your average Joe, who may be inclined towards the same thoughts of the COVID virus being a hoax and all that kind of thing, are going to give this person some sort of credence because they got something written once. Yeah. Essentially, so because what we do, I guess, is that we tend to kind of look for opinions that confirm our prejudices or our preconceptions. And mm. this, as like Rohan says, it kind of completely plays to that. So he says, I'm, I missed the big reveal yesterday. I know you still follow me, so I hope you see this. Please know what you're saying isn't just whipping up your base and putting you on TV. It's having real, awful effects on real people. He suffered a terrible loss and he kind of mentions his, the loss mm. of his father. My father-in-law also died very suddenly this year. Same age as your dad. Also had no past medical history except by blood pressure. He went to the gym daily. I am genuinely at a loss how you can conclude either death was due to the vaccine. You mentioned a post-mortem that showed two severely narrowed coronary arteries. You're a cardiologist. You know better than anyone that a man in his 70s can very commonly have severe yet asymptomatic coronary disease. There is no evidence that the vaccine causes coronary atherosclerosis. I've argued against a one-size-fits-all vaccine policy. I've talked about potential cardiac effects of the vaccine, which are only seen in young men and are myocarditic, not coronary. In your father's age group, the benefits overwhelmingly outnumber the risk, overwhelmingly. It's just, uh, he kind of, I think Rohan takes uh, 
it's a very thoughtful kind of thread, isn't it? In, in response. Yeah, I've got to say, I was impressed that I even bothered replying. I mean, I mean, not that I've got any sort of platform whatsoever, but to even bother replying and try. And it sounds like he's trying to be quite helpful as well. But hopefully, I mean, helpful on a personable level rather than in a general population level, which is quite good for him. I mean, good on him for trying to do something like that. But sometimes you feel like someone's a bit too far gone down that kind of road. And it's kind of, and remember I was telling you, Thrusha, that um, my father told me, so uh, I'll say this is a bit of a strange story, but we had this kind of family friend you know how like these things are like you got a family friend they they lived on the village not far oh no they were from the same village and they came to the uk and so they kind of ended up being sort of relatives quotation mark mm. and then apparently the father was quite well known because he wrote a book about how the sun rotates around no the planets rotate rotate around the earth and that's the way it actually is and everyone else has got it wrong and my dad used to kind of take a bit of a dig in about this book and he's kind of even the guy to himself used to smile about it but then I remember asking my dad, like, why would someone write such a ridiculous book? As I got older and realized that like, this is rubbish, we, why even talk about this? And my dad told me there's this, the way to get attention usually is to say the exact opposite of the truth or the something that's so out there, so balmy that people pay attention. And I think we probably live in a society now where that kind of attention is rewarded. Like mm -hmm. you could say something very horrendous. And you'll be rewarded for it on some level. It'll be attention, followers. And then what I would always say is follow the money. So you're probably getting paid off some of this somewhere, somehow. Yeah. And you need to look into how that is. So, yeah, you're talking about how kind of algorithms work, right? I mm. guess like it is in a way playing a game. And I guess so you have that example with your Mango video, right? Yeah, yeah. So I so there was a really great thing on Twitter. I thought it was great. I asked my wife about this. And she goes, no, I hate that thread. That's all right. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was going on a bad day. But so she, uh, there's someone who says, look, show me a life hack that used to be a hack, but now has become part of your everyday life or something. And so I've tweeted about how I actually cut mangoes with a potato peeler because I just find it quick and easy and you get like a really thin slice of mango off, skin off and you don't lose much mango. And people have their opinions and I think I tweeted about it and I had loads of people reply to me. But I did the TikTok thinking, okay, I'm going to actually show people what I mean because maybe people don't understand what I mean by using a potato and mango peeler. I can't believe I'm talking about potato and mango peeler on this. But anyway, <laughs> I accidentally named the wrong mango. I said it was an Alfonso mango and I've come to realize it's not an Alfonso mango that was in my hand. It was something else, like it was some other mango. But that video got so much traction so quickly. Like it literally, like you could literally see, like I, I posted it and then it, the, the numbers just go flying up. And I think mm. it's in tens of thousands of views and so many comments on it. But most of the comments are about how I've got the mango wrong. People are watching this and they're so incensed. Yeah, they're so incensed that by being incensed, they can't help themselves but to reply. And they and people have said it before, but they feel like saying the same thing again. They're not looking at other people's comments even. So they're writing the same thing again and again, which therefore makes the algorithm think that this is something that people want to look and watch. And it's pushing it even further. So you can see it all coming from the For You pages of TikTok. It's amazing. It's just yeah. amazing. So, and I've seen Do it work think... now on that level. Yeah, go on. And, I, and the thing is that, like, when we talk about we were talking about it before we came on, right? And I guess, like, mm. in some ways, we're like, oh, that's quite clever, like, playing the game. And I know that, like, mm. my dad, when he was talking, like, about Trump or, like, Boris Johnson, they'd be like, yeah, but they say those things to, like, rile people up and, like, to be provocative. And I'm like, and they say it in this mm. way as if they're, like, some kind of evil mastermind. And they're just, <laughs> and they're, they're just like, they're just kind of, like, just spouting nonsense but in a way that will like trigger you but it's like but as if it's just i don't know like a stroke of genius when to get people's attention it's not actually that difficult like you can tear your clothes off and start mm. take a dump like in the middle of the street and people will watch people people might start recording you you probably will go viral. like that will be <laughs> people will laugh and but mm. it's just 
I just don't get how that's kind of ever framed as something that's clever to do. These kind of people, I just kind of wonder, like the like what happens, like what thought, pro- like if they fully commit to it. Do you know what I mean? If they fully like when they get so many people kind of behind them and taking an mm. interest in what they say, they start to believe it, and or whether they are the entire time they like go home and they're like. <gasps> And you do really and come back to stuff. normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put it on live stream. It's like, you know, when you watch wrestlers and they're like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And then they go home and they're talking to them down the phone. Like, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, and yeah. And they're like, like, you're all right, mate. Like, what you yeah. Doing Sudoku and stuff. And yeah, just doing like really normal, like benign things. I mean, that's what I think about a lot of these things. When you get the big rivalries, like at the moment, well, it was meant to have Conor Ben fighting uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Mm. And they're like, they're kind of doing yeah, all this yeah, thing yeah. on the thing and how they hate each other and the dads hate each other. But I just wonder, like, in reality, wouldn't you be like, yeah, our dads hate each other, but we don't have to be like that, do we? Yeah, like, off the camera, they'd be like, that was awesome, wasn't it? And they'd be like, yeah, that was really good. You did. Oh, I love that little thing, you know, where you, like, cuss. Yeah, yeah. when you said you only needed 60%, where did you come up with that line? Yeah, Same exactly. with May. I think when Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fought, like, some of the stuff they were saying was horrendous. Like, you were like, you would not say that. You can't say that kind of stuff. And in the background, they're just counting, they're counting the dollars. They're like, yeah. mate, what, this tour is killing us right now. We're I guess making so much out of this. Yeah. Whilst we're talking about fighters, though, I do remember when Conor McGregor was saying stuff to Khabib. Khabib uh, oh, Khabib, yeah. And I was yeah. like, and, I, and you know that Khabib's, gosh, when he was saying stuff to him, like, that was all ripped. Like, that guy literally wrestled bears. Like, he, this isn't smack talk. <laughs> that guy is a scary dude. And yeah, he's like yeah. saying stuff about his dad and he's just being yeah. openly racist. And and I just remember when I was watching that fight, I'm being like, Connor's in danger. Like he's going to get, <laughs> and he got, I literally like, I, I remember when I think it was in the first fight and he's like choking out Connor. And I felt like he would, he like the ref had to pull him off him, didn't he? Like to stop him from yeah, literally yeah, trying to kill serious him. Serious stuff that went down, isn't but, it? Anyway. But we see this all the time. Like, uh, I know we have, I mean, it's not really the forum for it, but like with Andrew Tate character, like I don't mm. know much about Andrew Tate really, but if you take a step back, who is this guy? Okay, he's just a rich dude that is saying very apparently extreme things. Yeah. yeah, that's what he is. But he's everywhere, and then he disappears, and now he's back again. He's and the only reason I know about him because he keeps turning up my TikToks and my shorts and my YouTube shorts. Not in my shorts, that'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, God. Uh, but yeah, you know what I mean. But then. If you take a step back, who is this person? They're just saying very extreme things. That's all they are. Like, it doesn't affect your life. It doesn't affect my life. Like, so if this guy was Mr. John, Mr. I can't say the word. If he was misogynistic, right? If he was racist, how does that affect you or anyone? It doesn't affect anything. Like, so what? He's a rich guy that lives in Romania. That's got a few opinions that are a bit weird. He's like, like, you get weird people that live in faraway places. And then... Because he's saying such weird things, he starts to kind of conjure up some sort of following, and they start. It just get, the whole thing starts to work. Like he's saying the odd things, the album starts to push it, and it keeps pushing, and that's keeps pushing, it, which gives him more followers, and more people, and more power. And ultimately, I, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, I don't know what's really going on, but I'm sure Tate has done very well from this. That, like monetary wise, I'm sure he's done very well. Like he's far richer than he was before he ended up being on my YouTube YouTube shorts and all the rest of it. And similarly with Pierce Pierce Morgan. He keeps saying very weird things. He's clearly quite racist. He clearly says some very bad things, but he keeps giving a platform again and again because this is what social media and maybe as a society we're looking for. We, we, lo- we, love the, uh, we love listening to the extreme ends of opinion, even though it has no effect on anything or anyone, really. I mean, I mean, who cares about what Piers Morgan really thinks? Do you think it's that we love it or that we kind of relish being able to tell them how wrong they are or at least shouting at them in the hope that might change them because I feel like I mean I don't I find like Piers Morgan in particular I find him infuriating and the idea of having mm. a conversation with him I mean he just seems like a complete pig-headed uh, arrogant ignorant man 
Okay, this may sound a bit strange, but like when, when you're watching a horror film, right, you're purposely putting yourself in a situation where you're scared or you, it's, you're not really enjoying it, but then you enjoy it because it's a scary movie. Mm. And I think that there are some points of human emotion that people find enjoyable. It's like when you listen to a sad song, like why on earth would you want to listen to a sad song? Well, what, what, why would you want to be sad? Like that's not an emotion that you want to feel, but you enjoy that feeling of being sad because not something you feel very often or it's just suddenly a particular emotion becomes an enjoyable emotion. Yeah. So sad, being happy, being angry, being scared, and also being annoyed is also an entertainment and it becomes an entertaining emotion. So Pierce Morgan fits that, for me anyway, he, him and a few other people will fit this particular mold of they're entertaining because they're annoying. Like they're giving me that emotion and therefore they're given this platform because the whole point is entertainment and intention, really. It was most yeah. things. I mean, and that's where I think these guys fall into. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you're talking about like prick teasing your kind of primal instincts, like how you might enjoy a roller coaster, but kind of be screaming on it and yeah yeah exactly so there's there is a level of, it's what you're saying there is a level of an enjoyment when these people turn up and you get to say pierce is an idiot isn't he yeah. why is he saying that stuff i can't say i completely agree i mean i, blo I blocked pierce morgan i blocked mm. I, mean, I, I i muted uh, threads that involve andrew tate because i just think because i just think they're so bigoted and they're mm. and especially i think i blocked pierce morgan after he started to do that whole i identify as a penguin thing because like, oh, okay. you remember that? Because I was like yeah, talking yeah. about people's like actual existence and like trans people are just kind of existing. I feel like we're going to talk about that next, don't we, anyway? But like mm. after that, I was like, Ugh, you know what? When someone like him says something like that, they have never, I mean, I don't know what it's like to go through that, mm. right? But they don't have any empathy for someone who has to go through those kind of emotions and those kind of things. And when someone says something like, oh, identify as a penguin, it just shows that you've got no no understanding of what the spectrum of human emotions and human situation could be. And that's, yeah. I think that's very sad. Yeah, it shows ignorance, doesn't it? And yeah. it shows about how important representation and stuff is because you can see that kind of people who tend to kind of fall into those, I'm not sure if I should use the word conservative, but that kind of those beliefs that are really restrictive of like other types of human experience and life and just existence. Those mm. are people who just not simply not exposed to it. And they're just completely ignorant. And so then, and then they tend to be the ones who have the most kind of hateful, ignorant views, I guess. Yeah. And I think that for some, let's say for someone like myself, or maybe I'll draw on an experience a bit later, but they, I found that like when people are going to call you out or something, but they're, they're trying to kind of in their own minds think they're coming from a higher place or a better place, but they don't know where they come from a better place. They can't. And the reason I mentioned that is because people might know this, but I used to be a president of an Islamic society, but it was, a, it was a medical one. So it was a little bit, it was kind of a bit jokey, really, in truth. The one I ran was, anyway, I don't know what it's like right now. But I bumped into someone on the train on the way home and I recognized him. And I thought, oh, I know that. I've seen him around. So I went and said hi to him. I sat down next to him and it turned out he was the guy I thought he was. Hmm. And then he was like, hey, man, I want to ask you something. I was like, yeah, go on. And he goes, you're, you're like president of the society, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay, but you're also like part of the Bengali society, right? And I was like, Okay, I, that's a bit of a weird thing to talk about. Why are we talking about that? He goes, that's messed up, don't you think? So why? And he goes, oh, and he's just going down this kind of religious argument about mixing with loads of people and music and all this kind of stuff. And mm. I just thought to myself, like, you're only saying that because you think you're better than me. Mm. But you don't know whether you're better than me and I don't know whether I'm better than you, really. Like, mm. it's impossible to really know. And there might be something about you that I don't know about. You could be on your computer you know, tapping away, finding all sorts of weird things that I wouldn't agree with. We don't know that. But you can't judge me and I can't judge you. So I think it's really sad that you've done that. So I literally, I had to get off of the next station. So I said, this is my next station. It's nice to uh, see you around. And then I just watched him go and I went on the next train because I yeah. thought I'm not dealing with this kind of person. Yeah. But there was so many, some, I didn't realize that when I took that job or that kind of vocational job, yeah. that there was 
connotations associated with it. Like people expect me to turn up with a big beard and be very well learned. But no one asked me whether I was. They just need someone to run the society. It was had nothing to do with that. So we need someone to run the society. We've got a few events. Would you be up for it? I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm, like, just, I'm, not, I'm not doing much anyway. But I didn't realize that there was going to be a whole lot of judgment. So I gave it up, actually, uh, one year later. Is that because you couldn't grow a beard? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not judging everyone in the society or other, everyone in this particular society and stuff, but I just found that, yeah, I just didn't feel like dealing with the connotations anymore. Like I was yeah, happy to do the work in terms of promoting things and doing talks and listening and learning. But when people decided to judge me based on what I look like and do I, I mean, I don't normally, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed about religion a lot of the time with that through show. So mm. I think when people realized I wasn't quite fitting that particular mold mm. of person they would expect, I thought, well, then it. I don't fit here either. So I just, I mean, it's not though I didn't turn up to any events anymore. I just didn't take a big role in it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so there was a tweet that I kind of, kind of put into the list, which is where <laughs> there were these people who were talking about a cartoon. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it was like, so it's something like this. a library. I forgot. I don't even know what, I mean, what that even came from, but basically it's about, it's this kind of cartoon for, for of an alien uh, with, mm. with two arms and two legs and a t- what looks like a tail and holding a library card and people were arguing about whether it was male female or whatever and it was just really weird like who who I mean it, it was a whole bunch it was a bunch of like gender critical or transphobes basically and mm. it was just amazing to like read some of the kind of replies though like it seems highly <laughs> unlikely that an alien that had evolved with such a recognizable vertebrate body plan is not sexually reproducing it is a relatable anthropomorphic character not a slime mold and i was like oh can you imagine God. typing that out like about a cartoon that someone's like drawn like it's like about where people do people agonize about whether elmo like what sex elmo is or whatever like <laughs> just, so it just seems really weird that this person's like spent more than five seconds thinking about that it's amazing. But this kind of thing is where someone just writes big words and thinks they're being smart, isn't it? Yeah. yeah thanks for that. Good to you. I feel like Russell Brand does a lot of that, where he just says really big words. Yeah. And you yeah, have like... to think about what on earth he just said. And does that mean that he's clever or he's just using big words? Yeah, but yeah, that, the funny thing about this stuff is, is that I think they've just taken something and made it into the argument they want to make it, haven't they? Yeah. They've got an argument in their head anyway, and they just latched on to a cartoon alien looking thing and just <laughs> and gone on about it. And it reminds you, I mean, you're a fan of community, and hopefully a few people yeah, yeah. who listen to us are. But I remember when they were trying to come out with a mascot. Do you remember the mascot? And then they would get this whole episode as part of how they're going to get make this mascot. And because everyone is, oh, it can't be too dark skin. It can't be too light skin. It can't have these features. It kind of, and literally just became like this white, like person dressed with like little black mouth and two beady eyes. That was it. <laughs> that was their, that was the thing. Cause they were trying to avoid every single kind of. Oh yeah. I remember that. And it was so <laughs> scary as well. It had this yeah, like weird yeah. little mouth and it looked yeah, like something yeah. out of a horror movie. <laughs> But that, <laughs> but the statement was there. It's like you can't please everyone, and they were trying yeah. to please everyone. Came out with this weird looking thing. Wait, if you are for the episode, you've got to have that sitting in between us because that is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, that's so episode. true. That was such a yeah. Was it? Was, that was cool. And it was even called the Greendale Human Being. That's what they had to yes, call it. They're that like, was they're... it. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. It's so weird. Such a good show, honestly. I don't know if anyone's heard, but they're going to do a running joke of anyone who knows that show was yeah. adding six seasons in a movie, and apparently they're going to do the movie. They're going yeah. to do the movie. I'm yeah, so, so, so people who 
so exciting. Mm. Like, so, the pe- so for the people out there who haven't seen it, Community is it's about a community college and basically a whole kind of group of people who are kind of unlikely friends and how they kind of get to know them. I think the kind of main character, certainly to begin with, is someone called Jeff Winger, who's like, mm. um, he's a lawyer, but he kind of becomes a lawyer fraudulently and then is told he has to go back to school to get the qualifications for real in order to continue practicing as a lawyer. And so you kind of see it from his perspective to begin with and then how he kind of befriends this little kind of study group. But it's hilarious, like... It's hard to explain exactly yeah. how it's hilarious. It's just kind of off-kilter comedy, isn't it? Like situational, yeah. odd stuff. But it's just really funny and quotable. It's very clever, but I feel like they, they kind of get bigger films and bigger genres and plug it into a community college, don't they? That's yeah. one of the things. But then it also feels that it talks about a lot of things, but within the context of a community college, right? Like mm. ageism, bullying, yeah, uh, and then some of the bigger things that are going on. And they're really, well, I was a big fan of it. And I was really sad to see it finish. But yeah. Absolutely. It has a lot of heart as well, doesn't it? Like it's quite kind of a kind of a fun but nice show to watch, like the characters, you mm. kind of end up rooting for them. Did you see the American American Office, the US one? I watched some of it. I think I've watched like the first two, three seasons and then oh, yeah, it stopped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no way. I mean, yeah. it kind of, I guess for me, like one of the closest shows to that might be that or maybe Schitt's Creek, I suppose, in terms of mm. it just being funny and kind of you just falling in love with the characters and that kind of making it way, way better. But yeah, mm. for people who haven't watched it, Definitely get into it because there's a movie coming in, so you want to be in the know. Yeah, mate, honestly. It's a, it's a really good show. Community is great fun. I think I've been trying to get my wife into it and she's enjoying it. She hasn't finished watching it, but she has enjoyed all the episodes. Yeah, sorry, we kind of interrupted the entire podcast of talking about TV again. Yeah. But I mean, talking about interruptions, there was a tweet about interruptions. Did you see that one? Oh, Something. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, by Michaela. So it's at uh, MJV underscore one. Something I thought about is why nurses seem to have enforced no interruptions on drug rounds four, oh, four times a day. Yet it's okay for anyone to interrupt the doctor whenever they want, even if that's when they are prescribing something. And that was in, in response to a nice little thing from Adi Kumar. Can I have five minutes of your time? Can I have 28 minutes of your time? Is equal to 28 minutes, 28 minutes of your time. It takes 23 minutes to regain your focus after being interrupted from a skilled task. Be mindful of your attention and others. It's interesting, isn't it? Thinking about that. I mean, that's kind of being on call, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Being interrupted in the middle of what you're doing. And I guess... Yeah, it's the idea that you should be able to multitask. That That's the whole thing, isn't it? People are, oh, you've got to multitask, you should be able to multitask. But actually, if you just focused on that one task, you could just get it done quickly and move on to the next one. So what's the answer, through? I think I've got an answer to this. What's your answer to how do we uh, stop getting people, people interrupting us? How do we do that? You ignore them. Oh, I was going to say put on earphones. Just big headphones on and be like, look, sorry. Just, when I've got the headphones on, don't talk to me. Yeah, I think I'm not actually being serious, but I did think to myself the other day about how someone calls on calls recently, I'll get phone call after phone call. And sometimes they'll be like only a couple minutes apart. And sometimes it's quite difficult to kind of, I remember there was a patient I was trying to talk to. And I think it's kind of a difficult topic. And my phone just kept going off. And then I have to be like, sorry, where was I? And apologize and try and get back into it. And I, I remember realizing at the time, like how difficult it was to kind of keep my train of thought in that conversation after mm. being kind of pulled to another conversation. Oh, I can have a quick question and then kind of go back to this thing. And I remember thinking to myself the other day about how sometimes when I call another number, it might just ring and nobody picks it up. Like it just mm. rings out and I have to call back. And then I was, I was thinking to myself about how I feel like sometimes when my phone is ringing and I'm like, oh, I need to answer it. Oh my God, you know, I have stress like, oh, I need to answer it. Otherwise, and I'm like, otherwise what? Like, what if I don't mm. answer it right then? But I guess that's not the complete answer either. It's difficult. 
I think it's difficult in a hospital setting. I think like I've got a friend of mine and he might listen to me saying this and recognize himself, but he is constantly on his phone. Even when you're talking to him, he's constantly on the phone, right? Yeah, right. So you could be talking to him and then he'll be on the phone or something. Come, and I know they've got loads of things going on. I completely get it. It's not an issue. But sometimes I'll be talking to him with a mid-conversation. Then he'll take out his phone, look at his phone like in front of you and be like <laughs> doing this for a bit, like scrolling through, then replying. And then you say, <laughs> what do you think, man? And then he's kind of got this trained response. Like he goes... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what I say, it always, but when I know that he's not with me, then I might just finish with a question. And if he goes, yeah, then I was like, okay, I'll wait for him to finish whatever he's doing because he's not listening. There's no yeah, point yeah. in me carrying on this conversation, but God. he's kind of trained himself. But this is what I think ever since I got the Apple Watch, this happens to me a lot. Hmm. It's constantly getting pinged all the time. So I've had to like stop the Twitter pings and all these other pings, but I still get the WhatsApps. Hmm. I have to try and silence loads of groups and stuff to try and kind of bring fewer pings. I could, yeah, I get loads of pings all the time in the middle of conversation and suddenly ping comes through and I feel like, oh yeah, something's coming in. I better look at that at some point. What is that thing? And then I've lost my trail of thought when I'm talking to someone or trying to figure something out. I think it's just the way life has become, no? Isn't it? There's loads of things that are just trying to gain your attention. And so Mm. I did kind of go through a spell and every so often I go through it where I try and like meditate and stuff because I do find Mm. that sometimes when I've been really busy, I feel like, like in a quiet moment, I feel like my mind is still going like really fast. I'm like, oh, I'm, mm. I might think about this and then that. And then it's just kind of like moving around a lot. And it does take me like a little while to just kind of settle down and just be kind of comfortable in silence for a little while. But it can... It's like when you forget your when you forget your headphones, isn't it? Or your earphones and you're yeah. working somewhere like, oh, no, I don't want my thoughts. Anything but my thoughts, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need someone else's thoughts. I need someone else's things to tell me. Like, tell me, please, give me something. Absolutely. It's funny, isn't yeah. it? How addicted, addicted we kind of are to it. But we kind of moved away from, I guess, what the crux of that thing was, which was, I mean, I asked Joe about it. And she was like, there aren't actually that many occasions. There is a drug round, and that's kind of important in terms of not making a drug error mm. because the nurses will get kind of their pin taken away quite mm. quickly if for stuff. And I... And I I think I might have not framed it so well when I posed my question to Joe, which is sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sometimes, you know, I'll have my coat on and then the nurse will be asking you stuff and you're like, mate, look, I've got my coat on. I'm just walking. Let me take my coat off. Well, let me go home. Ask someone else. Like, you're not read the key. And she's like, yeah, well, that happens to nurses too. Yeah, probably not worth having that conversation. <laughs> yeah. It. But I think that's part of being a parent as well, isn't it? Don't you think? Like, you're talking about something. Oh like, yeah. dad, 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 dad. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Some, I think once I had this like I had this phenomenal idea. I thought, you know what? I think that's the one. This is what? the idea I've been waiting for my entire life. Like I think, I think I'm a millionaire. And then suddenly my kid is like, Dad, and Dad, and then I was like, Oh, I forgot to. Yeah. And then they, when they've gone, I was like, What was that idea? Oh, God, <laughs> oh great. I mean, they, and I was like, it was something to do with this, and I was going to do. No, ah, oh, it will come back to me, and it's not come back to me because I'm still working. Which <laughs> kind of brings us on to pay. Yes. Pay was a bit of a thing that's come up this week. Thrusha, you've got some personal grievances. Do you want to talk about that, or do you want to talk? About oh yeah, else? personal grievances. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so I came back out of my my pay's really complicated because I did the little shimmy. Like I went out of training in 2018 2019 to do research but then covid happened so then i shimmied back into clinical work and then i shimmied back out to kind of complete my research and then i shimmied back into clinical work at the beginning of the year so my contract is all over the place and Mm. going from research where i was kind of doing locums to kind of supplement my pay i was kind of happier to be back in my kind of training contract where i was getting paid more but then i kind of realized that it wasn't quite right and i was kind of so I'm kind of a dinosaur, so I'm still on the old kind of 2002 doctor's contract, not the 2016 one, 
for my training mm. number. But they kind of did like some weird mix mash thing where I'm like banded according to twenty the old contract, but my basic pay was from the new contract. It was really confusing. And because it was so confusing, like my kind of response to these things sometimes is to be like, oh, I don't know, hopefully it will kind of sort itself out. But then from, mm. so that was when I got went back into training in kind of March, April. And then I thought to myself, oh, maybe I should try like and address it. And so I started to send some like tentative emails in like June. And I often, and then I'd kind of put them on Twitter actually, because I'd get this kind of blanket reply, which is like, I'm on annual leave over this period. And then I'd send another one like two weeks later and then they're on annual leave again and I'm not getting responses. And then when changeover happened, it seemed like I was getting paid less. And then I got vexed and started to email a bit more urgently and then there was and then I started to involve more and more people and then like the, what happened was I was being cc'd in all these emails were then at one point I was like is my banding correct and then someone was like no your banding's too high it should be lowered down and that person from staffing who hadn't responded to my email for like three weeks suddenly replies being like oh okay should we lower the back? like and I'm like oh mate there you are okay so you thought that I'm about to be a, a paid less and now you're interested now like as if it's her money it's like mm. she's playing with. I got vexed. Went onto Twitter and was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "That's the place to go when you're angry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it has to be. Yeah. Pay me, just pay me my money. And I think mm. it's because of my head. I like I go through this kind of thought process where, like, I'm like, "Oh, I'm paying my mortgage, got to pay my bills, all this kind of stuff." But I involved like ended up kind of involving some managers and whatever, and then eventually, I think it's going to be sorted out. Time will tell. Who knows. It's just ridiculous that these things even happen. I mean, I'm kind of in a similar-ish situation and that I've done some extra work and I'm yet to get paid for it. And that was dating back to like maybe June. Yeah, and I'm still maybe earlier than that. I think it might be yeah before that and they still haven't paid me. And they keep saying they will. It's all gone through. Don't worry about it. You'll see it on the next paycheck and just nothing comes through. But then people tweeting. You know, I mean, I think it's pretty brave like where you actually tweet at the hospital. So hmm. Layla, she tweeted at MSC, uh, Mid and South Essex, NHS Foundation Trust. I don't know who else could work in that place. Maybe me, I don't know. But they just gave such a generic reply. Hey, Leila, thank you for your message. We would advise you to escalate this pay to payroll services and their contact details can be found on the internet. Thank you and take oh, care. Good. Oh, and good. Then Rosh, Roshana just replied what we all thought. Do you honestly think she hasn't tried that already? Mm. Like, why are you replying with such ridiculous stuff? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, as if, I don't know. It's like someone says, oh, don't do anything dangerous. That's like, yeah, I mean, I, I know that. Don't, I mean, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I won't do anything dangerous, of course. I mean, until you told me to do not do something dangerous, I was going to do something dangerous. That's exactly what I was going to do. But now you tell me, I'm going to be safe. The same kind of thing here. Is that this is blindingly obvious. Of course you can do that. And then if you resort to Twitter to tweet at the trust, maybe you've tried everything else. Maybe? No? Yeah, I just think it's such a ridiculous thing for their yeah for their PR people to, to come back with. It's just silly. And I think someone else, K-Word, can you tell me why you failed to pay my partner, one of your doctors, for two months and still haven't fixed the issue? I mean, it just goes everywhere, isn't it? Like you, me, and loads of people. I mean, this should just, I mean, the basic, I say this all the time, don't I? I know people throw and vo, try and throw vo, vocation and all that kind of stuff into it. I'm not talking about that. 19, I would say that the biggest proportion of why people turn up to work is to get paid. Hmm. I mean, otherwise, why turn up to work? Are you turning up for free? If you are, then fair enough. I mean, then I don't know, good for you. But uh, the vast majority of people are turning up. So if you're turning up to work and not getting paid, you've kind of, that's like the, the main thing of work, isn't it? That's what you're told to do. Turn up to work and you can pay for your bills and pay for your food. But this doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I mean, yeah. I think I find it kind of challenging because when you're in the kind of hospital structure, it all feels really opaque. So for me, 
when I was kind of going in circles, it, I was speaking to someone from staffing and then there was someone from like workforce planning and then there was someone mm. from like ESR, there was someone from payroll that, and ESR was kind of payroll, but not really. And so there are all mm. these different, and you're like, who is it that I'm supposed to be speaking to? And then they're like, all of us. And they all kind of reply at different rates. And then you're, what I ended up doing, so that just in case there are people listening to this and they are kind of feeling really frustrated, there are, diff- there are different avenues you can go down. One is you can contact the BMA, they're a trade union. But I think that probably the most important thing to remember is that they, the trusts have a legal responsibility to pay you on time. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to wait till payday. You can kind of demand that you're paid earlier. That in a sense that if you've got legal responsibility, you know, you've, got your, you've got bills to pay. If you've got your mortgage or whatever, rent or your food or childcare, and they don't have to wait till payday to pay you. And you mm. can kind of, there are different ways you can kind of demand it. One of the ways is by involving the BMA. If you can't do that, or if, if that's not getting anywhere, the hospital should have a grievance process. So you can go through a grievance process through the, the hospital internet. If that doesn't work, then you can try ACAS, A-C-A-S. And the, so usually they're an avenue that you can turn to if the grievance process isn't getting you anywhere within the hospital. But those are kind of different avenues that you can take if you're not getting paid on time and the correct amount. And the BMA also, I think, offer like a kind of contract checker thing. I must admit, though, when I would kind of messaged them, they still haven't replied and it's now five days gone. So that's a bit of a shame. But there's supposed to be people you can contact. It's amazing to think that, like, I think eventually for you, what happened was that one person was able to say, oh, yeah. right, I mean, that's happened that's to you. Happened Someone, to one person yeah. kind of went, oh, yeah. So that makes you think to yourself, okay, so you're one person. And then how many people is it taking for them to pay you? Like, mm. there's a massive team behind you getting paid, apparently. Mm. But it takes one person to be like, okay, let yeah. me just see the bigger picture. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's so have we done a good thing or a bad thing by having five or six different departments trying to figure out how much you're going to get paid? Or could it just be... I don't even know where to begin with that. It just seems a bit complicated for yeah. not much. Yeah. Oh, and then I was like, oh, is there someone I can meet face to face? Because all that was happening was that it was almost like we were having a conversation that was drawn out over weeks. But like, you know, mm. they're all outsourced, you know, Serco, whatever. Like, they're not even on, mm. some of them aren't even on site. So, I mean, it doesn't happen with the big corporations as well. Like, I think I had, I'll tell you about this, I bought some Huel the other day. Feel free to sponsor me anytime you want. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bought some Huel and then my order didn't go through, but £300 left my bank account. Yeah. So, well, hang on. Oh, Why nice. would that happen? Yeah. So then I was trying to contact them. They got this bot. I said, "Please tell us your problems. I, you took money out of my account. Okay. So where does this fall under? Is that orders? Okay. So if you want to find your orders, go check your orders. That's not what I'm talking about. I need to talk to someone. Okay. You want to? Talk, are you sure? Okay. Maybe you should have a look at our FAQ. No, I don't look at FAQ. I don't. I don't want any of that stuff. I want to talk to. Someone. It just took ages to figure mm-hmm. out like how can I get past this bot. It was like a mini boss. And you've got the like you're playing computer games and you've got like a mini boss to try and get to the boss. That's what it felt like to get to their customer services. Like I need to get through the mini boss and find out the exact algorithm that I need to get to for them to finally put me through to a human being. And I think at some point I was like, I need to talk to a person. Please let me talk. to. I literally was typing that in. And that's what you feel like with these things, don't you? Like I need to talk to one person that can tell me about all of this, not like have mm. a conversation with this person, that person, this person, who'll then talk to this person. I mean, talking about pay again, but there was there's some news about nurses, wasn't there, this week? Nurses are apparently going to be going on strike. Have I got that right? Yeah, so the Royal College of Nurses, RCN, they're going to ballot mm. their members to, to consider a stru- industrial action. And that's over, I think it's over unsafe staffing levels, which I mean, has been terrible mm. for years now. And uh, poor pay. It's- don't, make it, don't make it about unsafe. Just go for the one thing, people, please. <laughs> 
because they'd be like, oh, okay, so the staffing level and the pay, okay, so we'll just get more staff. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they'd even manage that, mate. But like, the thing is yeah. that it's good to see that there's like a lot of support out there. If they're in, if they're nurses listening, we do mm. think you should get paid. A hundred percent, hundred percent support that. I remember so the first like, time I turned up. Actually, I turned up to the wards many a time when I was a medical student, medical school. I I remember the first time I really realised what a nurse's job is. I thought, wow, you guys don't get paid enough for that. Like that's, I don't know how you do that. That's some incredible work. It really is. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't do that. I really couldn't. I find, but then that's, maybe that's just me. I don't like talking to people all that much. Maybe that's the problem. And nursing, it just happens to be that you're very uh, patient facing and I mean, it's pretty much every day, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. I, I'd find that very difficult. Maybe. Yeah. Just... I mean, it's, it's a kind of, the thing that kind of gets me is the sheer breadth of stuff that they do. Like if you think mm. about it, like administering drugs, the kind of, the, care that as in like washing patients or and then like I remember Joe was talking interestingly about the act of like washing a person and how in doing so it gives you an idea about if they've got kind of like bed sores or their skin tears and stuff and you know how you're kind of combining that kind of act which in itself is kind of beautiful like you kind of imagine Mm -hmm. how a mother will do that with their baby or something but they're kind Mm -hmm. of doing it with adults and how that's only really something that you'd let a family member do but the nurses are doing that for you but then mm. the other stuff, like whether it's kind of inserting a catheter or it's just like the kind of sheer breadth of it is crazy. And then when you think about mm. when they are kind of move, they have to be take they have to kind of speak to family members and get an idea of like their home situation. They have to have an idea of like their mobility. They have an idea of like how much they ate and whether they finished their porridge. And it's mm. crazy. To the, oh, and it looked like he was really struggling to swallow this. Thing. It's crazy, really if you think about the shit mm. of it but uh, yeah absolutely like they should get paid more i mean there was another tweet that came up from douglas hammond did you see that one i work three mm. days a week as a consultant for the nhs that brings me 36k after tax the wait, wait they work three days a week okay the pensions envelope has given me a bill of 12k this means i've earned 24k divide that by 52 and then by three i lost me there but anyway i earn 153 a day oh okay i see that and, <laughs> and I earn 153 a day after tax to operate and manage skin cancer as a consultant. That's £15 an hour. Trisha, what do you think of that? Because I've got a few questions here. What do I think of that? So what's he So what's he, what's he? he doing? He's a, oh, he's a, or he's a surgeon and he's getting paid £150. Okay, so essentially I, he's saying that he's getting paid £15 an hour for the work that he does and given yeah. that he's a senior consultant. consultant. You should quit, mate. It's private work. But that's what I'm about to say. You're working three days a week. What's he doing for the other three days? So with cash money is coming in, bro. Exactly. But I think he's saying, so, yeah, that's true. But basically what he's saying no. is that where's the incentive for me to work for you guys? Why don't I just do private work all the time? There is an incentive. There is an incentive. What is it? Because, I mean, oh, you do not you don't know this? Okay, so getting revalidation and stuff is far easier if you're still part of a trust. Part of uh, the NHS, okay. right? Uh, see. If you want to do that privately, it gets a bit difficult. Like It just gets difficult. So what you'll find, okay allegedly and please do feel free to look at your own department to see what it's like you will find that the more senior people around are not around all that much and some of them who are very senior are doing very well and we all know they're doing very well outside of the nhs so if they're doing so well outside the nhs why are they still in the nhs if they're making as much as they do outside the nhs there must be a benefit so as usual you follow the money you think what's going on here and actually the revalidation price can be very difficult unless you've got an nhs contract and you're working in the nhs so it may be a situation where someone may even turn up for half a day a week. And you think to yourself, why do you want to turn up for half a day a week? That makes no sense. It makes complete sense if you want to get revalidated and carry on doing your private work on the other side. So I'm not saying this is what's going on in this situation, but I'm just saying that there are advantages and disadvantages that are not entirely monetary when it comes to this kind of thing. 
And that's why I find, sometimes find that when people frame their pay and almost go for it to be as low as possible, I feel like, but yeah, what else was going on? You haven't, I don't feel like you've given the entire picture. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I feel like there's more to this picture and, there's, mm. and there, there must be reasons to why you're turning up still. If it's as low as that, there must be something else you're getting. There must be. Because otherwise you're still turning up for £50 an hour. Because you could go do something else for £15 an hour, couldn't you? Mm. In truth. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just a bit cynical, but... Yeah, when I see stuff like this, I just think it works for me. Fair enough. Now, I hadn't even thought of that, to be honest. So, yeah, that is interesting. Mm, now, now you know. Yeah. Well. I mean, there's usually a method to all this stuff. And you, when you start digging around and finding out, like, hang on, then you, then you ask yourself these questions. Like, why are people doing this? Why are people doing that? Why are they kind of down their hours? And if they're, like, I met people that they would do the scans of some of the biggest players in the country, like Chelsea and stuff. But they're still turning up to this place for, like, half a day to a day. But why, though? You're literally smashing it out doing like footballers knees and hips and shoulders what possible interest do you have here anymore when you're making so little in comparison I guess I guess I don't I never really get around to that because I'm busy asking myself why I'm doing what I'm doing like why am I like <laughs> why, why am I on the knee my knees on the floor like trying to put a cannula in this person's foot like why am I doing this like, why am I here so I'm still I'm stuck on that there you go. Oh, really? I used to get in trouble for asking stuff like this. I told you, isn't it? I used to go up to my consultant and say, hey, why are you not here, like, for four days? <laughs> Is that what you do? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Imran, I work very hard. I'm not saying you don't work hard. I'm just wondering why you're not here four days of the week. Yeah. Why do you have a long day there and a short day there? What, what is going on? Yeah, where, where, are you at? where are you working? Where else are you working hard? We're we working hard the rest of the time. And I, guess... I have to work very hard, Imran. I don't need to answer these questions. And I'm going to have to send out an MSF for you. Can you send me one as soon as possible? Yeah. Uh, I dare you use that tone. <laughs> yeah, I dare you. So, um, I dare you use that tone to me. Yeah. So, like, I guess whilst we're on the subject of like private work, there was a question mm. posed from Claire B. Is at the top. So, mm. Doctor Cla- mm. uh, dot underscore Claire underscore B. After speaking to a friend, I'm curious to know from my anaesthetic colleagues, totally different to mine, are there situations where it's okay to have your trainee doing private cases on your list during their mm. normal shift times? Do you have a take on that? Normal shift times. Yeah. During their normal shift times, yeah. that's fraud. That's clearly oh, yeah. It has to be. You're getting paid twice. But unless the trainee, no. Because even if the trainee is not getting paid, they're not doing trust work. They're doing private patient work. So they shouldn't be there. Don't the trust get like a, like money though for the fact that you're doing a private patient, surely, right? Yeah, but that, I mean, that's done on a private basis. That, right. I mean, the trainee's not paid to be there. They're not anything yeah. to do with that. So you don't... That's, to me, I personally feel, if I've read that correctly, that's pretty dodgy. Mm. You know, that, yeah. And if the trainee's getting paid for it, then they're getting double paid. So that's dodgy. And even if they're not getting paid for it, they are getting paid to be doing NHS work. So them going off and doing private work, even if it's someone else for free, shouldn't really fly. And I know these things happen. I've had, I have a few alleged stories of certain things that have happened and certain things that have gone wrong and things like that over the years that I've seen. But based on that, I mean, for me, it's absolutely not. You could get completely done for that. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, fair I think. enough. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, like, do you have occasions where there might be private patients and stuff and I just tend to not get involved, really? I mean, because mm. if you think about it, when people have seen the consultant privately, the part of the reason why they're going through that whole process is because they want their consultant to do it, I suppose. So mm. I guess they want a trainee to do it. Although I do sometimes think it's a bit funny because you get all kinds of different things that a consultant might do. Like, I don't know if they came for a test where they might need a cannula and maybe the consultant cannulates them. And I'm like, oh, would you really want a mm. consultant cannulating you? It might be better to have like, <laughs> have like a really good like trainee because he's like, he's just- Yeah, but private care, private care is completely different. 
private care, from what I can tell anyway, is all to do with the accolade of having a apparently senior person coming to see you. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with the actual skill set. So the more letters on after your name, the more publications, the more you know papers that you've written that have been put into a random thing about insulin or all the rest of it. The more credence, the more credence you've got, and that's what they're after. They don't want to see someone who might actually be good at the job. Yeah, they want the big shot, Fair the apparent enough. big shot. Yeah, private care, private care is a weird one. Uh, I don't mm. know what to make of it. Still kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Shall we move on? There was a tweet from pa- uh, Parody RCGP. Mm. Their account didn't behave very well this week. So, but anyway, there's oh, no. a, tweet, okay. a tweet that I think. I think I was thinking about this the other day, and I think that when things are done, when we finished at the end, we finished with life. Hopefully, you've had a net positive. You're not going to be perfect everything. So, I don't know Parody GP, but hopefully, they've got a net positive. So, yeah, so anyway, so. so carry on. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. But their tweet was an NHS GP surgery is offering private health insurance as part of its perks to encourage new salary GPs to join. Discuss. It's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's, it's like good. eating itself. Brilliant. Eating yourself? <laughs> no, yeah, like... It's like, the, oh yeah, we're for the NHS, but we'll help you go private. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. The admission is that the NHS GP work, I mean, it's not the NHS is not very good and you just need to go private, really, yeah. for you. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I think this... go on. I'm sure I've used this analogy before, right? With the bus driver and the taxi driver, right? Go on, tell me anyway. So, okay, so there's a big queue at the bus stop and mm. you're waiting for the bus. And then if a taxi comes along and two people from the queue get into the taxi and then drives off, then the queue gets shorter. So for the people in the queue, it means that you're going to have a less of a crowded bus, in which case mm. private work works nicely. The reason why it might not be so good is if the bus driver is actually the dude who's driving the taxi. <laughs> which is, the people wait, <laughs> then he'll be a tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it depends on how you frame it. But if you're using the, So I quite like the idea of it, if you think about it in terms of there are people who you know, who are doing private work. And so if they're, if they're leaving the queue, then does that not benefit other people? So is that mm. such a bad thing? I mean, I, this is what I mean about the private sector. I don't, I haven't quite figured it out, like in terms of what one should feel about it, because it's a, it's a situation like, so some of the work that I do anyway, is like where people get screened, they get like an entire body sc- like scan done. Okay. And you think this is a bit balmy, isn't it? Like, why are we scanning you like every other year to every two years? But then I think to myself that if you had a family member, and you think that there could be something remotely wrong. You just want to put them in the scanner, wouldn't you? You wouldn't faff around with the blood. You wouldn't do, you know, all the stuff that you'd expect everyone else to do. Because I've been in a situation where someone's turned up and said to me, hey, mate, I just work up there in that corridor. Or no, I just work in that ward over there. And I really bust my arm. Do you mind just having a quick look at my arm under the ultrasound? Like, yeah, fine, just get in. I'll have a quick look. But then I could turn around and say, no, I'm not doing that. You need to go to a You need to get assessed by someone. You need to get a referral in. You've got to do this. But you could go through all that, road, all that stuff. And then you've got to have physio. And then you can come to me for the scan. And then. So when it comes to ourselves, I think we're quite happy to cut the queue and jump mm. the queue. And I think that's what we call one of the perks of doing what we do. But then we don't quite like it when someone else who doesn't have those friends and doesn't have those kind of contacts, we just pay for it. So look, I don't want, I don't want to wait for anything. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to go straight to the cardiologist, pay them the money because I think I've got a heart problem. That's it. I don't care. Do you not like it? Do I? No, I just find that I think people are, are quite negative about people who do mm. that kind of stuff who will go down the private sector and bypass the normal things that we would expect other people to go through but then we don't expect it for ourselves when we're in that situation or we've got family members of our own that are in that situation i mean i get messages i have had allegedly a few situations where someone has said hey you work in this area is it possible that you can get my person scanned for me Hmm. i was like okay i mean it's a bit of a perk of being the job that we do but if this is a private person would we look down on them for trying to jump the queue and say, look, I'll pay you money to to privately scan me? And I just think that, I don't know, as a professional, it's a bit weird. I don't know where to fall in that. 
Mm-hmm. Are we saying everyone should go down what we think is the correct way to get things done? Like, oh, have you never been? Well, maybe not, but I've had situations someone's called me up and said, hey, I know it's out of hours, but we've got someone who also works here, wink. Do you reckon we'd get the scan done for them? And he's like, yeah, all right, like whatever. But then if they were just someone else, a normal person, like I say normal quotation mark person, and they say, oh, same age, same everything, but they don't work here, and say, um, oh, do you mind if we get the scan? No, you can't have that scan. It's out of hours, and you need to get them assessed. They need to go to this. They've got to do this. They've got to have these tests first, and then they can get that scan. But then when it comes to ourselves, we're happy to jump. But then yeah. when it comes to other people, we're not. And when someone is willing to pay for that jump using the private sector to do it because they've got no friends in that particular area, then we were like, no, that's not right. That's not what we should be doing. That's not the way to do healthcare. Mm. So my question is, what is healthcare and what's the right way to do healthcare? Mm. And someone recently was talking to me about, oh, it's just a race to the bottom or something. And I was like, but at the bottom of what? What's mm. the bottom? What does that mean? Like our jobs are changing. They're constantly changing. Yeah. My jobs are changing right now. People are, other people are doing what I do. I've got to accept that. And mm. I think healthcare is changing too. And so the idea that you've got to do history, examination, all that stuff, and then get a scan, I'm not sure is entirely true for every single situation. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah, fair anyway, Another bad take. Uh, uh, maybe we'll get... <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, we're coming close to time. Shall we end on... Mm, should we just go straight to the yeah the one that we both want to talk about? Yeah, go on. Yes, uh, previous guest, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah so Dr. Guest. Hannah yes. Bar- Barham-Brown. Dr. Definitely give her a follow. She's lovely. Hannah yeah. BB. So come on, mm. let's share jobs we thought we sucked at, uh, but in light of the Kwarteng Trust fiasco we are reassessing. And she says, mm. I once poured a, new, a whole glass of red wine onto a guy's crotch whilst waitressing. I saw like a response from Jenny Pusey, who I know listens, and she said, I worked at a fragrance counter at Boots right before Christmas. The card readers all went down. So we had to use the old carbon copy things for card payments. I didn't know you had to write the CVC on it. So gave away probably a thousand pounds worth of perfume in a few hours. Wow. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Do you have any stories like that? Yeah. I mean, I used to work at Superdrug. And I think this is the this is one of the situations. It's kind of like when you, I, my interaction with many people wasn't. I mean, I didn't interact with many people at all, apart from people at school and my immediate family circles and stuff. So we had a very skewed. I had a very skewed idea of what existence was, and so I might have mentioned this before, but like my in my head when I was growing up, I thought everyone went to university, everyone got a degree, everyone got a job, and everyone doing other quotation mark other jobs were just these are just stepping stones for what they're actually going to do. Right, this is the way I thought things were. And then when I, the good thing about that is kind of opened my eyes. I like not everyone goes to university, not everyone wants to go to university. It's not something that everyone wants to do. But what also made me realize about that job is that I'm not that smart. I'm really, I'm not that smart. I'm really actually quite dumb. Yeah, because like, the, okay, so take, I know people are like, oh, yeah, how could that be possible? Because he's got this job and does this thing. No, honestly, like I found it really difficult on the tills. I got used to get flustered all the time. And to the point that they got so annoyed with me that look, can you go stack the shelves, please? I started stacking the shelves. I did such a bad job. I look, can you just sweep the floor, please? And I started sweeping <laughs> the floor. And it just went on and on for weeks. It went on for weeks, like where they just couldn't find it. And then there's other guy who he told me, oh, mate, I'm not clever enough to go to uni. I'm not very good. He was just flying through these things and making me look like an absolute fool. And I was just thinking, man, like, I wish you could just believe that you could do, like, go and do something else if you want to. Like, that, coming to me and saying that you can't do A-levels, you're not smart enough, it's clearly not true. Because if I didn't know that he thought like that, he would have been just another guy that I would have seen at school or outside in my family circles and stuff. I would not have seen a difference. Yeah. And so I think it's a real shame that people don't, I, I don't know, are made to not believe that they're capable of doing certain things. And so, yeah, I was so terrible in my super truck job that they had to keep finding me other things to do. Yeah. And that's when I realized that. And I think this is a good thing, by the way. And I'm not saying in a negative way that I'm distinctly average. And the only difference between me and other people is that maybe I was given more opportunities. Mm. That's it. Because I was just distinctly average in those arenas too and continue to be so. 
So anyway, that was a big learning point I got from all of that. Actually. Yeah, fair like enough. How terrible I was at anything else. Did they? Yeah. So did they ever try and sack you, or you managed to kind of? No, I think it went on for a good few months, and then I kind of, I think I just thought, you know what, I can't bother with this, and I decided from I, I quit thinking I was going to get another job somewhere else, and then that job never came to fruition. And by that time, summer was over. I was back into rugby, back into the whole, the whole back to school thing, and then the next year came looking for jobs and stuff. So yeah, it was yeah, but. I was terrible. I was just bad at that job. Uh, I was bad enough. at it. I just I, was, I didn't pick up on anything. Honestly, I was terrible. I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad that even though I'd spent weeks on the shop floor, I still didn't know where things were. <laughs> I, I'd been there for weeks, and they were labelled. And people would come up to me and say, "Oh, do you know where these potato shampoos are?" I, yeah, I was there. I was there about five minutes ago. But <laughs> God, and I said, "This place changes, doesn't it?" And then like, we talking about. It? I was like, well, "I don't know." Like it, I swear it was in that corner, but it's not there anymore. And I one time, honestly, bro, this is the funniest one. This guy came out to me, and I think he wanted a toothbrush. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's. Let me take you there. It's just easy if I take you there." I took. I made him walk around the whole shop for ages. <laughs> I think he got. He just got sick of me. He's like, "Look, bro, what's going on?" I was like, "Nothing. I just don't. I can't remember where it was." And he just, I think he, he swore at me and walked off. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Sorry, man. I'm just not that clever. I don't know. Man. I don't know. I'm mean, a toothbrush. We're here anyway. Oh, super drug days. I wonder if they'd still recognise you if you walked in. Um, I hope not. I'd be like, "You again?" <laughs> yeah. That was the reason they closed down, yeah. Oh, Go on, what was your one then? I worked at Toys R Us and that was pretty, that was actually kind of fun because I was, what was it called, like a merchandiser for like video games. So I, and so you'd have, oh, awesome. it's quite cool. Like, so we'd have yeah. like a demonstrator, Xbox and PlayStation. And so sometimes if it were quiet or whatever, we'd play on it and then you'd see, the kids would walk past and they'd see you playing on it and then they'd get interested. And so sometimes they'd encourage us to like play on it so that people would see us doing it and then want to get involved. So that wasn't too bad but I did have a I think it was kind of first year uni where I worked for Harrow Council and I was like their post boy and basically what I did was I would just kind of transport mail around the council but also I had to do like basic like filing tasks and stuff and it was so mind-numbingly dull and so basically what I'd do is I'd rinse through it and like I remember when I started there I obviously wanted to like my parents would be like, you need to give a good impression. So I just rinse through it and they just keep giving me more and more stuff to do. And so then each day I'd go, they'd give, there'd be more to do each time. So like, once you've done those things, then do this thing. And then I real, I kind of quickly cottoned on to the fact that all that was happening was that I'd get through stuff and then I'd have to do more banals. <laughs> and so then I'd just do that stuff and then I'd disappear so that people wouldn't be able to find me. And what I'd do is I'd go, and go to sleep on the floor of the disabled toilet. <laughs> Oh, oh no! It's so oh, gross. That's what I do. I like hide there because I'd be like, if they can't see me, they can't ask me to do. I don't know to refile, like just reorder oh this God. thing. Oh, wow. And so, oh God. Anyway, is that a probity issue? I mean, I was like seventeen, so yeah, it was a long but... time ago. And it's all allegedly. I mean, it may not <laughs> may or may not have happened. For... Yeah, I'm a good person, really. All that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really clever. That's what yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, cool. I think, I mean, I don't know how time's flown by so it quickly, has, right? but um, it's flown by, hasn't it? It really has. Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, we, I think next week, hopefully, we're going to reveal that we do have a new sponsor. We do. So, should we ask people to guess what it is? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You can guess what this If you want, you don't have to, but we do actually have a new sponsor coming on board with the two medics, yeah. and we are looking forward to sharing that with you next it's, week. So, so we can we give them a clue? The clue would be like... No, man, no, I don't want to breach anything. I don't want to breach anything. Oh, but okay. How about we could just say it's really on brand? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, cool. go on then. Yeah, it's, it's very on brand. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. All right, nice. Cool. All right, then have a great week, everyone, and look after each other. Be nice and don't get cancelled. Bye. Bye.